Good morning. I want to thank Kyle for those songs, especially that last one. It's one of my favorites. It is the season, uh, not the Christmas season, but the sixth season. I notice I'm listening around the room and there are several like myself sniffling and coughing and uh, I came down with it yesterday and Kelly is now at home with it today and it's been around our house for about a week and so we're hoping to give it to someone else and get it out of our house. Maybe you'll be that lucky someone. I'm just a giver. What can I say? I hope you're well. This morning, I want us to consider a couple things from the Bible. And that is if the Bible's primary narrative is God's love for us, and that's shown through the salvation in Christ that we enjoy, then its secondary narrative would be what it is that we are saved from. And that is sin. Sin has been and always will be Man's biggest and most dangerous problem. I'm not sure how long Adam and Eve were in the garden before sin was introduced to the world by Satan's temptation of Eve. Doesn't really say. I think sometimes we read through that narrative and we think on the eighth day they sinned, but that's not the case, I don't believe. But I know that we will always We have and we will continue to feel its effects until Christ comes back himself to take us home. In James, the first chapter, verses 14 through 16 says, But each one is tempted when by his own desires he is lured away and enticed. There, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. When sin fully grown, it birth to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. So while we understand that the ultimate consequence of sin, any sin, is death. Romans 7 also states in verse 24, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then in verse 1 of chapter 8 it states that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. His body. His church, his called out, his saved. We can be saved. That is the narrative of the Bible. Is that God so loved the world that he gave so that we could be saved. That we could be saved from spiritual death caused by sin by the blood of Christ. That physical death is a consequence That none of us will ever avoid. No, we will all meet the same fate. And nor will we know for sure when it's coming. But we can rest assured that it is. And that is a very, very sobering thought. Especially whenever you look at the current situation in this country. Sin is all that we see reported on the news on a daily basis. Think about it. When you turn on the news, and if you're one of those that watches Fox News 24-7, I pray for you. I'm serious. 
I pray for you because of the state that that puts your mind in. All you see all day long is sin, sin, sin. You see lying. You see stealing. You see cheating. You see homosexuality. You see adultery and a host of other ungodly sexual behavior that is all sinful outside of the bonds of marriage. And if that's all you watch all day, I pray for you. I pray that you'll change the channel or turn it off because that can't be good for you. It seems like every day there is a new celebrity, a new politician being brought up on some sort of sexual assault charge or a rape or at a minimum indecent behavior. These are the sins that shout. These are the sins that shout, but I can assure you, they didn't start out that way. They started out as secret. The truth about the lie was supposed to be kept a secret. The truth about the theft was supposed to be kept a secret. The truth about the affair, a secret. All of these sexual allegations that we've seen recently were something that we would usually call private sins. Sins of a private nature, but I can also assure you of this, my friends, that no sin stays private. No sin stays private. And this morning, I want to talk about the sins that whisper. If there are sins that shout, then make no mistake, Satan has also formulated a plan to whisper to us. Jesus warned us. Luke 18, 17, Nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor anything secret that will not be made known come to light. He added, Whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops in Luke 12, verse 3. His warning needs continual emphasis because we typically think that it doesn't apply to us. We typically believe this applies to everyone outside of here. I will suggest to you that it doesn't. More commonly, the sins that whisper apply to the brethren. We're very good at condemning the sins that shout. We see the sins that shout and we're very good at going, yes, that's wrong. And yet we keep ours hushed. We keep ours private. We keep ours on the down low. When we are tempted with private immorality, The tempter wants us to believe that sins such as this will remain private. That no one will know and no one will be hurt. These are the things whispered in our ears. That is why Paul says so often in the New Testament, brothers, do not be deceived. Think about all the powerful men whose personal sins have been exposed in these recent weeks. Sitting congressmen, 
movie executives, business tycoons. If anyone had the power and the resources to hide the immorality, they did. But God's word applied to them just as it does to all mankind. Numbers 32, 23 says, be sure. Be sure your sin will find you out. So what does that also necessarily imply about the sins that do not shout? We can all agree when we witness things like murder and theft and sexual misconduct without hesitation, shout for its condemnation, but the sins that whisper, what are these sins? I mentioned that in the introduction of sin to the world earlier, that since the introduction was made, man has been engaged in the rationalization of it. The justification of it. And maybe that is where the whispering begins. In our own rationalization, our own justification, just as Adam sinned, he says to God, no, no, no. The woman that you gave me. Isn't that all of us? Isn't it? Seeking to rationalize or justify the sins that we struggle with and the various excuses and reasons. I'll be more on that in a minute. But the reasons that we give. But in my own studies, and especially preparation for this lesson, I am reminded that God is holy. And he will be dealt with as holy, and he will deal with us as he is holy, no matter if the world believes that or not. God will not justify the wicked. Read with me in Exodus 23, the first seven verses, and pay attention to what's recorded here. It says, you shall not circulate a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. You shall not show partiality to a poor man in his dispute. And if you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall surely bring it back to him again. If you see the donkey of one who hates you, Lying under its burden, and you would refrain from helping it, you shall surely help him with it. Now just notice there, there's kind of a general notion that we should help others, whether they're our enemies, whether it's someone that we hate, that we should help. Verse 6, he says, you shall not pervert the judgment of your poor with his dispute. Verse 7, keep yourself far from a false matter and do not kill the innocent and righteous for I will not justify the wicked. God will not justify the wicked. And while the world around us may not believe in good and evil, or heaven and hell, we do. 
We do, and we know what the Bible says concerning these things, concerning the wicked, and we know because we know ourselves that God will not justify wrongdoing. So what do we do when sin whispers? Well, we seek then to justify ourselves. We seek to justify ourselves in Luke 16, verses 10 through 15. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can be also trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest in very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, Or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And the Pharisees who loved money heard this. And they were sneering at Jesus. And he said to them, now think about this for a second. They're sneering at him. And Jesus turns and locks eyes and says this. You are the ones who justify your Selves in the eyes of others. You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. How often is that us? That we justify ourselves in the eyes of others. Everyone, look at me. I'm doing it right. I'm right and I know I'm right and you're wrong. Everyone look at me. I've been justified. And with self-righteousness, we condemn ourselves to the sin that whispers in self-justification. What people value highly, Luke records here, is detestable in God's sight. Self-justification is a sin that whispers. It doesn't scream, I deserve this. I worked hard for this money so I can do with it what I want. No, it whispers that because we know you can't serve God and money, I can justify this myself and not have to explain myself to anyone. We know that having money isn't sinful. We know that Having money is not sinful in and of itself. But to become its servant, to become the servant of chasing after money is idolatry. And we can so easily justify our actions when it whispers to us, hey, you deserve this. Don't let anyone tell you different. And it's not just the love of money that we justify. It's a whole list of ungodly, yet not shouting sins. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, in Luke 10, verses 25 through 37, we see just after Jesus tells this parable, describing the conduct of a neighbor, a young lawyer asks, Who is my neighbor? 
He's not asking who my neighbor is so I can look who to serve. He's asking, trying to justify not helping. He attempts to make the concept of who is a neighbor ambiguous. And 2,000 years later, is it any different for us? When tragedy strikes and people need help, what's the first thing that we ask? Well, are they Christians? Well, because we can't help if they're not. It's sinful. It is our responsibility to help. To the least of these, Jesus said, who were naked and you clothed, who were hungry and you fed, who were thirsty and you gave drank, who were in prison and you went and visited. To the least of these, he says, if you did for such of them, you do for me. This is the pension of man. This is the pension of man. We make major efforts in order to justify our actions, whether it's doing what we should do or doing what we absolutely should not do. And here are those reasons I was talking about. Well, Keith, you just can't avoid it. You just can't avoid it. I mean, man, it's everywhere. I mean, you know, the internet, I mean, it's got some good stuff on it, but, but man, bad stuff is just bound to get you in trouble there. It's everywhere you go, and you know, it's just a click away. And so we rationalize our lack of self-control. We rationalize our lack of self-control because of accessibility? Because it's inevitable? Well, I'm just going to sin because I'm a sinner. It's just everywhere you go. You can't avoid it. Let me prompt your thinking for a second. Who is the source of accessibility? When coercive thought is gone, do you suppose that making the negative things accessible was something that Satan has thought about? And I'll suggest to you that it is because he is not omniscient. He is not omnipresent. He is not all-knowing. He is limited in his power. And he is not God. And so he thinks. He schemes. He devises. He plots different ways to make ourselves our own worst enemies. Something as subtle and simple as a whisper. Hey, what you're looking for is just to click away. It's not a sin that shouts, is it? What about this one? Everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. This logic implies that somehow popularity of a particular sin can justify the sin. Well, Keith, I don't care what they were doing 30 years ago. Everyone is doing it now. Everyone believes this way now. Your belief system is just 
archaic and outdated. You need to get with the times because everyone is doing it. Since when has popularity become justification for sin? So now not only is sin accessible, but it's acceptable. Therefore, the next rationalization is this. Well, they're going to do it anyway. I mean, you can't stop it. Can't be helped. There's nothing I can do to stop it. So I might as well. What? Help? You might as well help? Well, Keith, they're going to be sexually active anyway. We might as well give out birth control at schools. That is as backwards as the day is long. Well, they're going to do it anyway, so let's help them. Let's encourage fornication. Let's encourage immorality. We should provide contraception. At least they can be safe. That is a lie. There is nothing safe about it. Not only can you get pregnant, not only can you catch a disease, not only can you ruin your reputation, you ruin your relationship with God. It's because he was cute and he smiled at me. Because she's so pretty and irresistible. And they whispered in my ear, if you love me, you'll do it. Didn't Jesus say, if you love me, you won't? Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands, which means if you love me, you won't. But it happens all the time. It happens all the time. So since when did frequency of sin ever make it acceptable to commit it? Which I don't have room on my screen, but my favorite one is this one. But they aren't hurting anyone. How often we justify sin because we believe it's not hurting anyone. Well, this is, this is something I'm doing. I'm not hurting anyone. I can drink this case of beer. It's not hurting anyone. I can down this bottle of liquor. I can smoke this joint. I can do this line. I can take these pills. It's not hurting anyone. Lies. Lies because you are. You are first hurting yourself. The wages of sin in Romans 6.23, we know it says, is death. So justifying one's own actions with this logic is spiritual suicide. But more than that, more than hurting ourselves, we crucify the Son of God afresh with every sin that we believe is not hurting anyone. He felt everyone. Every strike on his back. He felt it. When we hear and sometimes say these phrases, 
it is always in an effort to rationalize and ultimately justify our sin. And yes, 95% of the time it is in reference to the world and its insatiable appetite for it. But the tendency is always to rationalize and justify. But look, in 1 Corinthians 6, I want to remind us all, as I reminded myself in preparing for this lesson, a very, very important lesson about justification. Verse 9, or do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. There it is. Do not listen to the whisper. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Note to self. If we don't know this by now, write it down and commit it to your memory. Sexually immoral. Idolaters. And I will suggest to you that idolatry is alive and well in America. There will be Christians who are not at church this morning because they were in Atlanta at the SEC championship game last night. Now tell me, again, idolatry is not alive and well. Wherever your priority is, there is your God. Adulterers. Homosexuals. Thieves, greedy, drunkards, I'll say that one again, drunkards, revilers, swindlers, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. If you don't know that by now, you need to write it down and commit it to memory. Just like we read in Exodus, God will not justify the wicked. This is who he considers to be wicked. But notice what he says in verse 11. Such were some of you. And you. And you. And me. But we were washed. We were sanctified. And we were justified. There it is. We were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of our God, this is the aha moment. This is when the lights come on. I can rationalize and justify my sin all I want to, but I will never, ever, ever be justified in it. Justification can only come through one place, one source. And that is by being washed and sanctified in the name and in the blood of Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Then and only then can I truly be justified. Because justice has not been served to me but to him. God is justice. And everything outside of God is non-justice. And non-justice is broken up into two categories. It is injustice, which is sin and evil and wickedness. And the other non-justice is mercy, 
Because mercy says that I don't get what I deserve. I don't get justice. Therefore, the only way we can be justified is in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. All other justification is just sin whispering in our ear. Keep on sinning. Do we not know that we will not inherit the kingdom of God because he will not justify the wicked? And yes, I hope we realize the answer is yes. That we know this and that we are prepared to act upon that knowledge. And for the most part, I think we do a fairly good job of recognizing this list of sins that I just recited from 1 Corinthians 6. That are indeed sins and they shout. And that we agree, yes, sexual immorality is a hard one to avoid. But we're conscious of it. Idolatry is easily recognizable, and so we are conscious of it. Adultery is easily recognizable. Homosexuality, though the arguments and the push for the normalization of such sins is ever-present, we still resist that untruth. Thieving, greed, murder, rape, But because there is a concerted effort to battle these sins that shout, sometimes we don't give attention to the sins that whisper like trying to justify ourselves and rationalize our sin. Because we do not participate in the sins that shout, does it make our fall into sins that whisper any less deadly? Brethren, I hope we realize the answer to that. I hope that we realize the answer to that. Look with me. In 1 Corinthians 3, not only is true justification only found in Jesus Christ, it is ongoing as we grow. He says, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, because as, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, while you were not ready, you are still in the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you. Jealousy and strife. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Still fleshly and not spiritual. Why? Because they were engaged in the sins that shout no. The sins that whisper. The sins that say, hey you. Hey, don't you just hate that guy? Man, I hate that guy. Jealousy. Strife. These are two that Paul mentions here. But what about envy? What about pride? Is pride a sin that shouts? Can anyone know that you envy unless you make it known? What about hate? Of course, there are things that we ought to hate. As Christians, we ought to hate what the Lord hates. But what about lust? Does anyone know that you are lustful unless you make that known? What about greed? Look in Galatians 5. 
look in Galatians 5, 5, verses 19 through 21. We see here the works of the flesh. Paul writes this. Now the works of the flesh are evident. That means they shout. But do they? He says sexual immorality. You notice that's always the first one? So it's probably the hardest. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, which is drug use, enmity. Okay. How do you recognize that one? We can all put on a face, can't we? You don't know that I have enmity with you unless I've made it known to you. Strife, jealousy, there they are again. Fits of anger. No one knows how you handle anger unless they've been present when you're angry. Sometimes you just hold it inside. But it doesn't change the fact that you're angry. And anger turns into hatred, and hatred turns into bitterness. And my friends, that is the road to death. Drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. The works of the flesh do not all shout, yet they are evident. They will make themselves manifest. As I said in the beginning, there is no sin that stays private. There are just a few of the sins that whisper. The sins that we will justify as okay because they do not shout like homosexuality or murder. They don't draw attention to us in the way that would tarnish our relationship at work or at school. But make no mistake, my friends, they will tarnish your relationship with the most high of the most high. The king of kings. The one true holy God. And because he is holy, he will not justify the wicked. Reputation is built in a lifetime, but damaged in a moment. Consider David. Consider David the most successful and revered man in his nation. He led his people to unprecedented levels of security and prosperity. He was famous famous for his spiritual wisdom. It's not like he didn't know the word of the Lord. But in a single day's sin with Bathsheba, a sin that first whispered, no one will know, changed his story forever. A trusted friend once told me that Satan is a great economist. He loves to throw a single rock into the lake and watch the ripples to touch every shore. He is content to watch us build our lives and our public reputation day by day knowing that the higher we climb the ladder, <coughs> the farther we can and will fall. 
if you're harboring private sin and think that you're safe because it's not yet known, think again. Think again. <clears throat> Perhaps the enemy is simply biding his time, waiting until public disclosure will bring even greater shame to your family and to your reputation, especially the church. The best time to repent of sin is now. Now. The best time to make amends with others is right now. Matthew 3, verse 2 says, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. We are to learn from the failures of others. Matt Lauer made global headlines this week. Not for being a fantastic journalist. Not for being a great news and TV personality but for sexual misconduct that he simply could not control himself. And there was a whisper at some point in his life that said, hey, you can get away with this. No one will know. It is appropriate for us to condemn the immorality that he's accused of. It is indeed a sin that has been shouted worldwide but we also must admit that we, too, are no different. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is you, that is me, and that is Matt Lauer. Does he need Jesus Christ any less than we do? I've not committed Matt Lauer's sin, but I can, I've committed others. It is important for Christians to strike the right balance between accountability and humility, never seeking self-justification. That is where the whisper begins. 2 Corinthians 5, 5 verse 20 says, We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We are called to call others to repent of their sins and to turn to Christ for the forgiveness that only he can justify you with and only the grace that he has the right to dispel and disperse. But if we do, while seeking the help of God's sanctifying and justifying spirit, let anyone know, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. Let anyone who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. We are all susceptible. It could be us. It could be any of us. We are simply beggars telling other beggars, where we found bread. And I am praying that all of the announcements of the past month and all of the immorality that began has, has gone on as a whisper for so long that is now being shouted will become a tipping point for our culture 
that we desperately need a moral and spiritual awakening in this country. And as you step into your day, ask the Lord to help you be salt and be light by the power of his spirit. (coughs) Integrity is built by defeating the temptation to be dishonest. Humility grows when we refuse to be prideful. And endurance develops every time we reject the temptation to give in and listen to the whisper. And when the sin begins to whisper to you and to justify, to convince you that no one will know, you whisper back, not today. Get behind me, Satan. I will not whisper evil, but I will shout glory to the Lord forever and ever. Amen. I'm not sure what your situation is this morning. I'm not sure what you've been whispered. But make no mistake. Scripture is plain. God has been plain. Outside of Christ, there is no justification. If you need justification this morning, that is only found in the forgiveness of sins. And that only comes to the non-believer to believe and to repent and to be baptized for the remission of those sins to then live obediently, listening no more to the whisper. And if that's you and you've fallen, you've listened to the whisper, the blood of Christ still shouts, come home. If we can help you in any way, I pray that let it be known now as we stand and sing a song to encourage you.